Hello, welcome to another edition of Two Off the Tee Golf Podcast on the IBN Podcast feed. Uh, we will be breaking down the U.S. Open Preview Podcast. I am your host, Keith Fleming, who has correctly picked the winner of the first two majors on these preview podcasts. And with me is my co-host, one of the best young assistant golf club professionals in the business, Scott Porter, who did not pick <laughs> either of the winners in hey, the first I've two a, majors. I've had a pretty good record, though. You have, but it's not as good as mine. It's and not, that's what we're talking about. And I'm that just really with. pisses me off. Well, you know, we're going to try to go for three for three. Scott, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. U.S. Open week. I'm excited, man. man. Okay, I feel like since we've been doing these podcasts, like the golf season is just flying by. I mean, you remember our first podcast was the Masters preview. Right. I mean, and that was, what, three months ago or two? I mean, part of it is that this, you know, the schedule change with the majors. You have one a month earlier. They they end a month earlier. I think it, again, is a great decision, but – you ready to do this U.S. Open preview? Absolutely, man. Let's get it. All right. Well, let's talk about the venue first. It's at the uh, very famous Pebble Beach. It's part of an eight-golf course uh, facility in California on the Monterey Peninsula. The course is at sea level. It offers some of the most beautiful views you will ever see on a golf course. Hosts an annual PGA Tour event. Uh, it's not actually there. Two of the rounds are there every year. Two are at the many other courses that they have. Um, it's been home to five previous uh, U.S. Opens, a PGA Championship, and this in 2019 will be the sixth U.S. Open there. It has hosted U.S. Amateurs, actually just the year before. Uh, Lenny Watkins won the only PGA Championship there in a sudden death playoff. The first time that kind of playoff was used in a major championship, which I was not aware of. And then in 2023, it will become the first venue to host an event on the PGA, LPGA, and Senior PGA Tour in the same year when the Women's U.S. Open will be held there, which is pretty cool. Uh, Scott, you want to go over some signature holes on the golf course? I mean, they're all basically signature holes, but these were some of our favorite. I was about to say, man, what else can you say about Pebble? Um, It's just... It's one of the most iconic golf courses in the country. Um, it just is is a place that it it almost has the allure of a, a Augusta National, you know, type venue where it, everyone knows if you're if you're a golfer or even if you know just the minimal about golf, you've most likely heard of Pebble Beach. Um, it's one of the most classic uh, courses in California and across the the country of ours. And uh, let's just break down a couple holes so. The par three, seventh, that's the postage stamp. Um, Most likely hole that anybody can maybe make a par on. Yeah, we mean, all can hit a 100-yard shot and get lucky. Right, but but <laughs> the craziest part about the hole is how it plays. Oh, very difficult. I mean, I, there's been some years where they've hit, you know, as, as little as five iron or as much as five iron in, into that hole from 120 yards. So it's a, it's a hole that with the wind coming off, that, off the, uh, the Pacific there, it just it can get dicey and and it's a nerve wracking shot. Uh, my friend just went out there last month and played it and he was like, "Man, the caddy told me to hit at 105 and I thought I put a good swing on it and it just it just uh, you know just came up short and I was just like, yeah, whatever. That's the the caddy's fault and I was like, bro, that probably wasn't the caddy's fault. He knows what he's doing. He's been out there forever, but you know uh, it it could have been. But it's just a great golf hole and it's it's one of the most exciting holes in in golf. And then right right after that, you've got the par four eighth. Uh, it's 428 yard par four, heading towards the coastline. 
and has a huge fairway that but you can't hit it more than 240 yards and then it's straight back uphill um and and it's just a shot that the second shot not only is tough because you have a long way but you also have to get it up really quickly um so that you don't catch the top of that that slope and potentially be you know, in a much worse position. So the eighth is definitely tricky, and then you go to – Well, that's Jack's actually favorite second shot in golf, and I'd say that guy uh, has <laughs> he, seen, a, seen a golf course or yeah, two. He, so that's pretty, I think he knows that's pretty high praise. I think he knows what he's talking about for sure. Um, and then you have another back-to-back holes on the backside, which is the par 3, 17th, 208 yards, surrounded by the ocean, um, and the sea runs all the way down the left side. Um, but the length and how the green is shaped, it's a weird green complex – um, it's really thin and it's long and it, then it has a lot of slope. It's tilted. Um, so it's one of the smaller landing areas you'll see, uh, on the PGA tour. So it, it can slope definitely 208 small landing area, you know, yeah. piece of cake. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Especially if it's against the wind, man, it's just can be a brutal hole. And then the par five 18th is one of the most well-known holes in golf, 543 yards that runs, uh, parallel to the Pacific ocean, the entire left side of the hole. It's a tight tee shot. Uh, and then that tree. Right. <laughs> right in the middle of the fairway, and then a 100-yard bunker running down the last 70 or 80 yards um, all the way to the green. So that hole is one that we've seen a lot of a lot of guys kind of succumb to the pressure on that hole, and, and it, it, it just becomes tricky, especially in a crucial spot. Man, I'm excited. Uh, you know, my buddy that went out and played it, he was like – it. He, and he played it a month ago. So, you know, six weeks before the, uh, the U.S. Open – and he, he was just like, the place is so pure. And they let you tee off. That's one of the, one cool thing is most places that host PGA Tour event, they don't, before the tournament, they don't let you tee off where they teed off from. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they move you up a box or at least. East Lake's a prime example. Exactly. Uh, Robert Trent Jones down at Opelika when they had the Barbersaw, you had to play up a box uh, leading into the event. Pebble's not like that. that uh, he said there was only like four holes, I think, that they couldn't play. Uh, from the U.S. Open, they had, and it's pretty cool. They have a stone in the ground with oh, the tee markers that says U.S. Open 2019. So really cool venue, man. I'm pumped up. I love I, – not only do I love watching golf, and I love watching the most talented golfers in the world get after it, but I also love seeing how venues hold up. Right. You know, the, the tour is so deep and so talented that I get bored with the tournaments where they go out and post 18 under, 22 under – you know, that's why I don't watch a ton on the web, even though those guys are so good as well. It's just it's to the point where it's almost a shootout every single week. I like to see them have to be challenged a little bit. Now, not unfair, like you saw at Chambers Bay in 15 at the U.S. Open. But I think this this is has the potential this week to – I mean, it's going to be good conditions, but has the potential to really – you're going to see some phenomenal golf, but then you're also going to see some guys struggle, which is like any U.S. Open, but I think it's going to be a little bit more fair this year. We hope so. Especially with all the, the shade thrown by Justin Thomas and you know and all the other guys. I, I hope that you're going to see some stellar golf, and I, I know that you will, but I also hope that it's it's true and it's fair. And because If the USGA messes up at Pebble, you can mess up at Chambers. They right. never had it before there. You can mess it up at Shinnecock. You can mess it up at some of these other places. But if you mess up a classic golf course like Pebble and make Pebble unfair, one of the most iconic golf courses in the country, you need to reevaluate. You know, what 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 do you want your major championship to be? You want it to be a test, but you also want it to be fair. Right. I mean, it's the United States Open. 
just the United States part should should mean something in in terms of, of being fair. And it, I'm excited, man. I think you're going to see a fantastic week of golf. So those are coming uh, kind of some of the holes. Um, Let's the, go over the, the uh, past winners for the majors Absolutely. Uh, and kind of the tournaments. And uh, 72, the first U.S. Open was there. Uh, not surprisingly, a guy named Jack Nicklaus uh, won it. He uh, This was at that time his 13th major. That was when they counted USAMs. It was big because it tied him with Bobby Jones for the most majors they have ever. They later changed it to where amateurs do not count as official major championships. So it was actually his 11th major with his two USAMs. This tournament is most famous for why Jack is Jack. He came to the 17th with a one-shot lead. Uh, playing into the wind. We talked about that par three. He hit a one iron so stiff that it took one bounce, hit the pin, and dropped one feet, uh, one foot from the hole. Uh, obviously, he tapped that in. He would actually finish the final round with a 74, uh, the tournament at four av- over, and the scoring average for the week was 78.8. Uh, so pretty difficult week there. In 1982, the second time they came back uh, for the U.S. Open, Tom Watson won. So you're seeing a theme of these big-name players winning here. He also came to the 17th with a one-shot lead, ironically, over Jack Nicklaus. He hit his shot long and in the rough. Watson's caddy famously told him to hit it close, and Watson looked at him and basically said, I'm going to sink it, and then he did. Uh, his celebration with him running across the green with his uh, arms in the air, I'm sure you will see it uh, a time or two during the telecast this week. Side note, later that year, a bad storm literally took the 17th and 18th green into the Pacific. <laughs> they rebuilt it, so the spot that Watson chipped is no longer there. Uh, the 1992 winner was Tom Kite. This was his first and only major on one of the hardest final rounds in a major history. 40-mile-an-hour wins led to a scoring average of 77.3. Now, I know we just said it was 78.8 for the week, but that's with guys that missed the cut. So the 77.3 was with the top half of the guys who actually made the cut. So you can imagine how difficult it was playing that day. He was just one of two players to finish under par, winning at three under, just to give you reference for how hard it was on the weekend, Gil Morgan was at 12 under uh, during his third round and uh, did not finish the tournament under par. Watson shot an impressive 72 in those uh, difficult conditions himself. Uh, and then something that's kind of ironic is Jack Nicholas actually was on TV and congratulated Colin Montgomery for winning his first major because he was even with the guys and leaders and stuff still having like eight, nine holes to play because the scoring had been so difficult, and Tom Kite actually went on to win the tournament. Uh, 2000, I'm assuming you've heard of this U.S. Open. Tiger Goat Status Woods won the 100th U.S. Open at the most iconic venue to secure his third major, but it was the way he won the event that will be remembered. Uh, I don't know any other word to say this, and he was ruthlessly dominant. He, tying or set nine U.S. Open records, including the biggest lead after two rounds, six shots, biggest lead after three rounds, 10 shots, and biggest lead after four rounds, 15 shots. He was uh, just obliterated the margin of victory. He did not three-putt all week. 
He won putt at 34 of the 72 greens. He played his first 22 holes without a bogey, as well as his final 26. He tied the all-time scoring record at a U.S. Open. Nobody else in the field broke par. He also opened the tournament with a 665, the lowest score ever shot at Pebble Beach during a U.S. Open. And then the most recent U.S. Open was won by Graham McDonald. He won it by one stroke. Tiger and Phil finished fourth. Uh, Graham became the first European to win the United States Championship in 40 years. And then just real quick to kind of give you guys an idea of the scoring. And and then the other thing that was interesting when I was looking at this was the purse sizes. So in 1972, the U.S. Open, two over won the tournament. Uh, Jack won by three shots. He won 30 grand. (laughs) Lenny Watkins won the PGA in 1977 at six under in a playoff. He won 45 grand. Uh, Tom Watson in 1982 won it at 6-under. He won 60 grand, winning by two shots. In 92, Tom Kite won by two shots at 3-under. He won 275 grand. You're going to see it jump up here. In the 2000 U.S. Open, Tiger won by 15 shots. Goat. Uh, he won 800 grand. And he was at 12-under. And then in 2010, uh, Graham McDowell was even. He won by one shot and won one point. $3 million. So through the years, uh, you can see that the purses have gotten bigger. But other than the outlier of Tiger, I think we can see from this, the scores are not going to be crazy. The golf course is not long, so and it plays firm and fast. So this is one of the few majors that, I mean, a bomber could win it. A guy hits it straight can win it. We're going to go through the guys we like here in just a second. It's pretty wide open. And if you haven't listened to our preview podcast in the uh, Masters or PGA editions, basically what we do is me and Scott each pick six or seven guys that we kind of go into a little depth about. And then we'll talk about guys that we like that are long shots, giving their odds. We uh, pick some guys that uh, we think, you know, are going to be in contention, and then we pick a winner. So, Scott, do you want to start, or do you want me to start on the guys that we want to kind of talk about a little bit? Yeah, you can go ahead. All right, well, I don't think it's going to surprise anybody that knows me. I'm going to start with Tiger Woods. Absolutely. He is a 10-to-1 odds uh, this week, at least the last time I checked. Uh, you know, where else am I going to start other than talking about my dude in depth? I could talk all day about Tiger's 2000 performance here. We just went into it a little bit. Only man under par, one by 15. It is Hands down, the greatest single tournament ever because of how bad he just dusted the field. And people forget that was only his third major. That performance really is what solidified the advantage he had mentally over the competition. I think he really wore his competitors and his peers into the ground with that performance. And, you know, it took basically the stuff that happened in 2009, 2010 for that to stop. But... What is forgotten is actually in the 2010 U.S. Open at Pebble, he was in the middle of a comeback from his messy incident with his wife. That's the nice way I can say it. Mm -hmm. And he tied for fourth uh, in that tournament. It was highlighted by a back 931 on Saturday. You'll probably see this shot uh, during the telecast. He was actually behind the tree Scott talked about on 18, hit an amazing cut with a three-wood landed it right in front of the green and the small inlet you have between the bunker, the rough, and the bunker on the right, ran it up. Uh, and then there was, uh, you know, signs of him becoming sharper at Memorial, which is good. So he has plenty of experience, confidence, whatever you want to call it, this venue. Uh, the one thing that concerns me, uh, and it showed at the Memorial, if he could have not made so many bogeys, he would have won that tournament. He made a crap ton of birdies Saturday and Sunday. No doubt. 
The issue was he made a lot of mistakes and a lot of bogeys. The U.S. Open will penalize him even more than a course like Memorial for some of the shots he hit. The other thing that has been interesting for a guy that grew up in California is he doesn't really pay on Poe in the greens anymore. Like he didn't even play in the venues. He hadn't played in the AT&T, AT&T event in ages. So I'm assuming that's because he doesn't like them. You know, Tiger is very particular about his putting. That's one thing you learn from his interviews. The guy that does the uh, great impressions of him is always talking about his putting, which is fantastic. So I am interested to see how he plays this week. I think he's hitting well enough. And, again, it's going to be one of those deals. The the lower the scores get, I like him less and less at this venue. The closer it is around par, you know, no more than four, five, six under, I think it only enhances his chances of winning this week. If they get deeper, he's going to have a hard time doing it. No doubt. No doubt. So just a couple couple tidbits about, first of all, we were dead wrong in the PGA preview podcast. Absolutely. Okay, because we, we both thought that – it was a good thing that he wasn't playing competition. We thought he was resting, that he thought his game was there, that he was he had all the confidence after the Masters. It was a hangover. It was a hangover month. I don't think he actually thought he had a chance at I Bethlehem. I think he got there early and, and tried it out and was like, yeah, this probably isn't my uh, venue. And to be fair, you did say you didn't like him nearly as much as I did. I actually thought that he would contend there. Right. And you had said from the get-go that he, you know, he thought he might get cut ball. but not you know, right. contend. He, he's driving the ball well. Okay, <laughs> Especially and, for him. And he's driving the ball well, especially for him. And, you know, the putter isn't quite as hot as as it was during his prime. His iron shots, especially, you've talked about it a million times. I know those long irons that, you know, when he hits a a flush long iron and does the little walk through, there's not much better in golf, if there's anything better than a a flush tiger long iron. Oh, yeah. But I, I expect him to play well this week. I expect him to contend this week. That's a lot coming from me. Yeah. I mean, it, he proved me wrong at Augusta. He played worse than I thought he would, even though I didn't think he would contend at Bethpage. I think this week, I think I think he top tens. Okay, so I, he's I'm got gonna, that swagger go, back too. I'm gonna go on record. Yeah, he had it. He, you know, and he didn't seem as confident at Bethpage. I agree. He didn't have that swagger at Bethpage. He he seemed flustered from the get go. So. On a course that he knows, on a course that he likes, as long as the greens roll true and he's comfortable in the greens, I expect him to top 10. Okay? Let me go ahead and say that. I expect him to top 10. Now, I don't expect him to win. Okay? Let's go into, into one, of, one of mine. Let's talk about Dustin Johnson. So he's one of the favorites. He's at 7-1. to one. Should be one of the favorites, too. Absolutely. I mean, and he's, and he's a little bit like, like Rory, who we're, who we're going to talk to talk about in a minute, it's just, it, it kind of, something just seems off with Dustin Johnson since 20, I guess since 2016. 2016, he had a great year, won the U.S. Open, um, won a couple WGCs. He's still winning those WGCs. He's uh, he's probably the most dominant World Golf Championship player of all time. Except oh, for call, I was about to say, except come for on, Tiger, Except for Tiger. I, I preface, <laughs> I, except for Tiger. Okay, but Dustin Johnson, there's there's something that looks off. I don't know. I can't. Every round it looks different. Some rounds he puts fantastic. Some rounds he struggles on the greens. Some rounds or most rounds he drives the ball well. 
And then some rounds, his wedge game is super sharp, and then some rounds it's just a little bit lackluster. So which Dustin Johnson are you going to see? I, I truthfully don't. I don't even think he knows at, at this point. I think I think if he comes out and fires a good round Thursday, you're going to see him contend. But if he comes out and gets frustrated on that in that first round, he probably will pull a, uh, pull a Justin Johnson, be out of the tournament, surge and make the cut, and then he's going to end up, you know, around uh, making a charge on Sunday. So that's kind of where I sit with Dustin. He needs to prove it to me a little bit more than he has uh, in recent memory. But I think that obviously you can never count out one of the greatest athletes to ever play the game of golf. I just hope it's not that he's content. I mean, if you talk about it, that's Paulina, right about when he Paulina. won. Well, and winning a major. I right. mean, I think it took a lot of the pressure off of him. And some guys, that's enough. And maybe it is. The other thing we just can't forget about Dustin before we move on is that he's had as good of a track record there as anybody. No. Should have won the 2010 U.S. Open, had a three-shot lead, and then shot 83 Got off to a terrible shot. I think I think he made like a seven on two uh, and just never recovered. But that is a venue that, I mean, especially if he's hitting his driver well, he's going to have a lot of wedges and the greens, and he's a great wedge player. He traditionally. Definitely, traditionally, you're right. But, I mean, I definitely think that if you had to say a favorite, that if you played the tournament a hundred times, oh, yeah. who's going to have the most chance to win? He's it's going to be Dustin over and over. Even over Kepka. Just because he usually does a little bit better on firm and fast courses, right. especially that are not long, than right. Kepka does. No doubt. So he can, he can control it better. Let's just go right to Kepka since we just mentioned him. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm running out of things to say. He won another major. <laughs> he holds both the last two PGAs and U.S. Opens. He's going for a third straight. I actually don't love Kepka this week, which is probably a really dumb. Uh, decision on my part, but I did pick him in the last one. I told you I really liked him at Augusta. I definitely think he's going to make the cut because he's a, he always makes the cuts in majors, but it's just the fact that he does not seem to fare very well on firm, fast, short golf course at major venues. If you go through his record, right. all of his wins have been at golf courses that are wet, wide, long. Right. Uh, he carries it. I mean, just freakishly long distances. Exactly. And, and he has the confidence to step up and and rip one where other people are hesitant if it gets tighter. Or long carries. By the way, he is 13 to 2, which is unreal. That's reaching Tiger. I was about to say, uh, technically, that's, he's the favorite over DJ. Exactly. But I'm saying, I, I think DJ is the favorite in the sense of who I think actually has the chance. I agree. Uh, it does not need to be forgotten. He could win his third straight U.S. Open uh, with a win. No. I don't think, yeah. I don't think any major has ever been won three straight times. I'm almost positive. Uh, I know that uh, it was either Sarah's, one of those guys, Hagen, uh, back in the PGA days when it was a match play, I think he won three out of four, but I don't think he won three in a row. But right. either way, it's unreal. This is also, I think everybody would argue, the hardest major to win. because yeah. of, And so if he does it three straight, and it will absolutely submit, and I'll be the first to say it, that if he wins this, other than basically maybe you could argue, I guess, or I guess you'd have to give it to him because he had won four straight, but Kepka would have a chance that with outside of Tiger winning the four majors in a row, and I think he won six in like 12, this would be the greatest major streak of anybody. Not Jack. Nobody has done what this guy is doing. What would that uh, be, five out of the last nine? Five out of the last. He's four out of the last eight. Yeah. So five, five out of the last, last nine. You're, I mean, if he does it, you're talking about – over 50% win rate 
over the last two and a half years of major golf. That is unheard of. And he would be five of 21 for his career. And, you know, I think that we appreciate that a little bit more just being avid golf and PGA Tour fans. Let me put that into perspective for you, for for those of y'all that may not be as in tune with everything as, as, as we are. It's like Golden State. Okay, it's like Golden State. What what they've done now? Granted, I know they're they're on the brink of, of maybe potentially losing and breaking up and all that. But it's like what they've done, except maybe a little bit less. But he, they're play, I mean, Brooks against the field and what he's doing. I, I it's just hard to put into words how amazing the last two and a half years of golf has been for Brooks Kepka. He's, I mean, he's not doing. He's not doing doing too bad off the right. off the uh, track either. So who you got next? All right, um, let's talk about boy Speed. All right, so Speed has been showing sh- signs of life recently. All right, so um, the game is coming around. Uh, it's still not quite 2015 uh, level. I think it's 2017 level when he played. Decently that was well. Good. That's a good year. It was a good year. I mean, he and won a major. He, yeah, any anytime he won a major is a good year. So I, he's he's closer to 2017 than he's 2015, but he's trending towards the way he played in 2015. Okay, so if you just look at some of the stats, you know it. These stats have they've improved a lot in the last three months, right? So as bad as as bad as we think he's he's played, he's played in 16 events this year. He's made 13 cuts and has three top tens, right? Putting. Two of the top tens of came recently, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. So putting, last year he had 1.76 putts per hole. This year he's at 1.70, so he's in, improved that. Um, he's taken a little bit off his drive, but you've seen his driving accuracy over the last eight weeks jump four points to 56%. Still not good, but it's it's coming around, Okay. Um, average score is trending lower than it was right now. It's at 70.2. So if you look at, at Jordan's beef, things are turning back around. I, I fully believe a lot of it was in his head. I think a lot of his issues came from not losing the confidence on the greens. He's never been a great driver of the golf ball. He's been a fantastic iron player, but he's never been a great driver of the golf ball. Drivers turning around a little bit. He stepped up at the Memorial, and he stepped up at the Bethpage at, at Beth and hit some drives that I was like, "That took some. That took some courage. That took that took some some go get him. A little bit of dog in him. And uh, and I, I think that you'll see him play well this week. Now, am I willing to say he's he's going to contend? I don't know. Uh, if he has a great week putting and he hits enough greens. If he can average 13 greens around, I think he's going to be right there. I just it, it all comes down to the driver for me. He's got to put it in play. And to me, the issue with Jordan, there's two things: is a he's also not that great with fairway woods and stuff off the tee, which he no. actually can do this week. I actually think it's even more so than the greens because he's got such a great short game. He's got to get the ball in the fairway. Get it, just get it. And if he can do that, I agree with you. I think he's he's got a decent shot. But I am interested to see under the gun how is this short game going to work because this is the toughest test you're going to get in golf around the greens. The five footers are harder to make at U.S. Opens than any other tournament. Ask Phil Mickelson. Uh, 
And so it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see it because I think it's good for the game if Spieth starts playing well again. He's obviously got some momentum after the PGA. He followed it up with a couple of good tournaments. And, and it, again, it's good for the game if he plays well. I hope he does. No doubt. Uh, let's get to Phil. Uh, he is at 40-1. to 1. Ouch. He has always been the bridesmaid at this event, never <laughs> the bride. Uh, when Phil won his shocking British Open title in 2013, and I, I can't say enough how shocked I was that he won an Open Championship because it does not fit his game in the slightest. The battle at Trenton. Uh, it was a, pr- a phenomenal performance. I really thought at that point he's definitely going to win the Grand Slam. I was like, he's going to get over the hump now. This is going to give him the motivation and everything to go, I got to get this U.S. Open because now I'm in a whole other class. Because there's only been five guys that have done all four majors. He's six times been the runner-up at this tournament. And... This is his last legit shot. Ooh. It's at the it's U.S. Done. Open. It's done after. Absolutely. Okay. He has not done very well in it the last couple of years. Right. He's getting older. Right. U.S. Open is not a venue as you get older players play well in. No. It's not like the Masters, the British Open, where there's history of it. And this is a venue he owns. I will say that actually you can say Phil has the best pedigree of any of these guys. He's won five times the AT&T. It's the event that he's won the most of any of in his career, He, uh, including winning it this year with yeah. a closing 65 at Pebble, which is very big. Uh, he's also finished 16th and 4th in the two U.S. Opens there. The thing that is scary, because I, I would love to see Phil win, he is not showing good form lately. But I do think he's going to be motivated. This is basically a home environment for him. He's a California kid. The crowd is going to will him along. And he is another guy, which I didn't mention with Spieth and Tiger, that I think the more the score stays near par or not very lower than that, they got a very good chance of hanging in there because they're grinders. The lower it gets, it's going to be difficult for him to win the way especially Phil and Jordan drive the ball. If Tiger drives it like he has historically, he's going to be in that category. But you're going to see Tiger hitting a lot of fairway woods and irons in the fairway, which he's very good at. Uh, so I hope Phil has a chance. I actually think for a 40-to-1 shot with his track record, Not bad, we'll get to the long shots. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I think he's going to at least be in contention. Okay. Uh, so what do you think about Phil? You know, I – I want him to get it done so bad. Oh, yeah. It'd be okay. great for the game, great for him. It's a little plug here, but uh, I am currently a staffer for Callaway Golf, and I truthfully believe that Callaway Golf and, and all the brands are fantastic, but the loyalty that he's shown Callaway and that Callaway's shown him, mutual respect, the loyalty the fans have given him over so many tries, so many close finishes at the U.S. Open – so many he's given away. Now, he's given two U.S. Opens away. Yeah, oh, no doubt, no doubt. Now the only and he and he didn't play well in a couple others that he should have. Right. Where, where you go into it and you're like, this has got to be Phil's to lose. Right. You know, especially after when when Tiger kind of went went out in 08, 09, 2010. Right. You know, once Tiger kind of was out of his path, I really thought he was going to do it. Here's the only thing though about Phil. Phil's not getting shorter. Oh, no. He's getting He'll longer. tell you all about it. Just see his no uh, Twitter page. No doubt. But he is 
He is getting longer. He's using speed sticks. He's he's increased his driver head from 120 to 126. For example, Tiger, when he rips one, he swings 129 to 131. So, you know, Phil is is... I'm not going to say this is his last chance ever, but I think this is his best chance he will ever have. Okay? Like the Toby Key song, I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. This is Phil's last great um, – okay, not great because he, obviously he's 41. But this no, is No, I his think last, he has a great chance. This is his he's last – He's won this tournament five times and been in the top 20. He has a great chance uh, okay, to win so this tournament. This is his last real shot to get it done when he feels like he can do it at a venue where he's won before. What a story. That would be amazing. All right, so let, if Tiger wins, or if Tiger did win at Augusta, right, then if Phil wins, so the redemption 10 years later, oh, be, 11 years later, and then if Phil completes the Grand Slam, it would just be one of my, probably my favorite year in golf, if we're being honest. I mean, it's, it would be phenomenal, but... Let's go to somebody else that has has really squandered away some chances, and that's Rory McIlroy. In major championships, not specifically the U.S. Open, but in major championships, with the exception of Dustin Johnson, since 2014, I don't think, and obviously Ricky Fowler because he's never won one, but Rory has maybe underachieved the most. Out of out of any of your top five household names in golf, right? Rory is 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 so close with most of his game. He obviously has always been a streaky putter. He's got to get confident. He's got to get fired up. That's why he puts so well at the Ryder Cup, right? He he's got to get some type of something going early for him to have a chance this week. He is. In my opinion, the most pure ball striker on tour, or at least has the potential to be when he's nah, he he, when his head's right. There's no reason why he why he should not have more than four majors. And I just I, I wish that I don't know if he tries too hard or if he doesn't try enough. Sometimes I feel like his expectations are like so out of proportion that he can't possibly live up to them. And then sometimes I feel like he just kind of just hangs at the bottom, and then if he gets lucky the first couple rounds, he might make a move up. He just doesn't have that grind in him that we were talking about with Phil and Spieth and the other guys. Something off – Some there's just something different about Rory. He's not the same guy that dominated from 2012 to 2014, even with his, all his top fives this year. I mean, it's – the first nine events he played, or first ten events he played, he had like seven or eight top fives. That's ridiculous. So he he's obviously hitting it well. He's obviously has the confidence. But yet again, are we going to see him bring it for all four days of a major championship? And I know you worked today, so you might say he shot sixty four today. He's tied for the lead. Uh, had an amazing he, round, and the crowd was really behind him. It was actually pretty cool to see on American soul. Americans like openly rooting for a European. I don't ever remember well, it being... They're in Canada. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You're they're, right. They're in the sixth. That's dude. why. Yeah. Because I was shocked, dude. I mean, no, they no, no. were like chanting his name and stuff, and dude. I was sitting there going, that's why. Jake that, promised that, he could that's, go to Canada. There you go. A little rap song. Uh, I don't like Rory this week. Okay. I don't like him at U.S. Opens. I've either. said it over and over again. 
this and the Masters are basically the two that I don't really expect too much for him. The Masters, I think it's too much pressure because of the Grand Slam. Right. And I think this venue, he's got to get, it's got to be exactly how he won his first U.S. Open. It's got to be soaked to where. And it's not going to be. It's not going to be. I just don't think he has the short game or the patience or the grind, as you were saying, to compete consistently in a U.S. Open. And I hope he proves me wrong. Uh, let's get to John Rahm, 25 to 1. Uh, very surprising when I looked this up, and this is why I included him. He has a fantastic record in California, which you don't expect for a European player. Right. Uh, his first win was at Torrey. He has a fifth and 26 in his two AT&T appearances. This is what blew my mind. His average finish is 13th in his 10 appearances in the Golden State of California. Ooh. He likes them Poana Greens. Yep. Uh, he's arguably the most talented player to never win a major right now on tour. Not the best, but he's arguably the most talented. And if he can watch his temper and play smart, he absolutely has the game for this. And he is one of those guys that he drives it much better without his driver in the bag. Mm -hmm. The Ryder Cup venue this year was very similar to the way Pebble is type venue. He didn't hit a lot of drivers, and he performed very well. So I, he would be somebody I'd look to that, again, if he can keep his temper and stuff in check, he's going to contend. Well, I think I think Rom is somebody that you're going to – I mean, he's Sergio reincarnated, okay? He has all the – all the physical talents in the world. He he is he is somebody that really you know has has the game and seems to just get up for big tournaments. And but yet again, I think he's one of those players that just puts too much pressure on himself to perform. And I think that's just that hot Spaniard blood running through him, like we saw with Sergio for all that years before he broke through at the Masters in seventeen. Right. He just is one of those guys that just seems like his head holds him back so much. So if he's in the right state of mind, I mean, he, I put him right up there with 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 the guys like Kepka and DJ and 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 the guys that that can, oh, he can, that can overpower win, a golf course. They can win any any given week, right. you know. And it it just is it, with Rom. It's frustrating because as a golf professional, you you love to see. I, I like to see fire and emotion, but I I really like to see I, I like to see appreciation and good sportsmanship. Right. And you know, I whether it be Rom, you know, just with all of his antics, especially around the greens with a putter when he gets frustrated when he misses putts, and then Sergio in the bunker a couple months ago. It's just Span the Spaniards are are, are they have a bad rep for for well, anger they're issues. Hot. They're hot hits. Right. I mean, they have a bad rep for anger issues, and I wish he would grow up just a bit and and realize that that he is good enough, and that but he doesn't have all the pressure. I mean, he's only what twenty five. Well, and that's the one 26? thing. I, that's the one thing I was going to say that I will say in his defense. Sometimes we forget how young these guys are. No doubt. I give them about a decade on tour to figure out who they are for this kind of stuff. Right. When it comes to the temper, bad decisions on the golf course, et cetera. I try to give them a little bit of leeway in that first 10 years because, I mean, you're, you're a young man. I was a young man at one time. You make stupid decisions, you no know doubt. what I mean? And no these doubt. guys have been given fame and fortune. I just, so. I'm glad you brought up 10 years 
Because I got, I got, I want to talk about a, a guy that now is in his tenth year on tour, and that's another West Coast boy. Oh, Ricky! Ricky Fowler. Okay, huh. so Ricky Fowler has often been compared to to Arnold, uh, to Arnie, to Honor Palmer, and and he he is that person. He he always has a smile, and he's the opposite of Ron. Right. You don't see you don't see his anger. You don't see his frustrations on the golf course. But at the same time, you know, has there ever been a player more talented? He spent 37 weeks as world number one as an amateur. Has there ever been a more talented guy that that underachieves? I mean, so if you break it down, he turned pro in, tw- in uh, 2009. So he's in his tenth year now. All right. He has eight top tens in majors. And about, I guess that's 40 tries. He probably didn't play in a couple, so it's probably like 32 to 35 tries. So there's eight top tens and seven top fives. Okay? Ricky, I, you know, I, I went after Jordan in the PGA. Right. Okay? I'm going to throw one out for Ricky. There is no reason that Ricky Fowler this week on Poana Greens, with how well he hits the golf ball, there is no reason that he should not contend this week. Okay? But breakthrough, damn it! Like, I, it, the monkey is growing on his back. The monkey on his back is growing, and you're gonna get to the point where, like Sergio, like you know some of the other guys that have struggled for a long time to get their first major, DJ, the monkey's growing. But the difference is, Ricky just seems to seems to perform better than those guys. He just doesn't or either he sets himself up in the beginning and he any cha- any charges or he plays really well in the beginning and he collapses. I want to see four good days. I want to see four good days and I, and yet again he's another guy though. I think if it like you, you know, like you were saying if the scores are a little bit higher I can see him winning this event at 6 7 under. I can't see him winning this event if it goes deeper than that. So he's another one of those guys, you know, I just I want him to do it so bad. Him and Phil Spieth, obviously, I want Spieth to win another one pretty bad, but I want him to see. I want to see him do it so bad, and and I hope he does. I'm not gonna get on him like I got on Spieth. I'm not gonna go Stephen A. But it's time. It's time, Rick. Ironically, the guy you just mentioned is the guy who reminds me of. This is this. You could have said all this about Phil Mickelson at the same time. People forget he was 34 years old when he won his first major. Uh, Phil had competed in a lot of majors, had a lot of top tens, a lot of close calls, a lot of where he played three good rounds and a bad round. In, All the stuff Phil's, you just said was Phil Mickelson. In Phil's defense, he he joined the tour just before a train. He I joined mean, the just, tour five years before Tiger Woods. But even so, you said you said give him ten years. No, I'm I'm not disagreeing. But I'm with just you. saying like. It, I, I don't know how comparable that is because Ricky started in 09. It, it is comparable. It's very comparable. But Ricky started in 09. Tiger was gone. Right. Okay? Tiger didn't compete again until really 2013. And then obviously didn't win a major until this year. Right. So Ricky has had chances. Yeah, but I would argue, and again, this is what we were talking about on the last podcast. There's no Tiger Woods, but there's so many good players. And they're all Tiger-esque. Exactly. And that's why I'm saying, again – I'm going to give him, you know what I'm saying? Like, he does need to get going, but I still could see Ricky having a Phil Mickelson career. I really could. How, He's many, got a, how many do you think he could get to? 
He's major. So he's what? He's he's twenty nine thirty. It's like what I told you. I don't. I don't. Once he gets his think, first one, I think the days of guys winning more than five majors are going to be few and far can between. He get, can he get if he win? If he I wins, think he could win. I think he win to two or three for sure because yeah. his game okay. is well at all, all right, the we're, venues. We're on the same page there. Uh, so my last guy I'm going to talk about is uh, long shot. I'm going to talk about him again there. Uh, or actually, I'm just going to mention him again. Actually, let's just go ahead. I'm going to lump him in with my long shot. Okay, so let's so go over let, these real quick. Let me. Well, hold on. I got one more. Yeah, go ahead. I got one more. All right. My boy Xander. Oh, yeah. Okay, so turn pro in 2017. But yet again, he's a class. He's a part of that class of 2011. He just took him a little bit longer. He stayed in college longer, San Diego State. He's a California kid. And if you just break down his, his major appearances. That's fantastic. Okay, so since 2017, he's played nine majors. He's missed one cut. One cut, and that was, that was in 2017, I believe, at the PGA. Um, so, he, you know, nine majors. He has six top 20s out of the nine, including he won the Tour Championship. Let's not forget that. So, in, in my opinion, that's with the players. That's the top six tournaments in golf. So, he's already, he's already proven he can win on a big stage. He's got out of the nine majors six top twenties and four top fives. He's a he's a he's a beast. He really is. His swing is repetitive. It's it's repeatable. It, he's a grinder. It, he's, too. A, he's, he's a, a grinder for this venue. And he puts well. Most people do not give him the credit for for how well he puts. Oh, no, he's, he, one, he's, he's one of the 20. top. He's to me. He's one of the top ten guys on tour. I know his numbers are top twenty, but right. He just you watch his rounds. He makes a lot of putts that you have to. I would even say that's he's, that's what it's all about. He's top six or seven in majors. Right. I mean, it, you know, he's another one of those guys that just seems to get up for majors. And he's just one of those guys that 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 can feel. I feel like he can just go out and he doesn't worry about anything. He's not in his own head. He's he's taking everything in. He's not taking it all for granted. I watched a really there's a there's a YouTube on him, uh, the PGA profiles. I don't know if you've seen some of those. Mm-hmm. I have. And w- talking about his dad and the way he was raised and just a very very great. Just a just a great young young man. He's the modern day VJ Singh. No doubt. They say he outworks everybody, and that's why he says he's not in his head and he's con- and all this. Right. All that's from because just like with VJ, he knows I'm outworking you on the range. I'm outworking you on the putting green. So I know what I'm doing. You know right. what I mean? Like that's. I mean, I remember watching him when I was working at the Tour Championship in 2017, um, before the year before he won it. Right. I mean, just hitting balls until dark. I I remember walking out of the clubhouse. Um, I actually, that was a cool day. I got to go to the player's elevator. Right. And, uh, so I was walking, I, I just got done with my shift doing security, walked out. He's literally, they're hitting balls with flashlights. Uh, and they had like some, some, some big strobe lights or flashlights or whatever. And he's just out there grinding. And it's just, I would love to see Xander in his home state in California, a place where, you know, he's playing. It's hello world moment. Exactly. He's still so young. Let's do it. Be big. Let's do it, Xander. So, um, I got some long shots. Uh, I'll get to the guy I really like at the end. Uh, I got Brent Snedeker, 66-1. to 1. Uh, He's what you call a POA specialist. And for I'm assuming everybody knows Poana is the kind of greens. Oh, sure. They're kind of bumpy, especially late in the afternoon. They're difficult. It's something you have to kind of get used to. The reason I say that, he's won the AT&T in 2013 and 2015. So he obviously knows how to play Pebble Beach. He did well in 2010, where he had a top 10. That was when he was a pretty young man. And then most importantly, he's playing well. I believe he's tied for the lead today uh, at the Canadian Open. If not, he is one shot back. What? After he shot 60, almost shooting 59 for the 
the yeah. biggest thing, though, is he is back with Todd Anderson. Todd was actually at Sea Island when uh, I was down in St. Simons. Uh, that was when Seneca was at his best, mm-hmm. was when he was working with Todd. They kind of you know, separated. His career went downhill. It's, I don't think it's no coincidence that he's starting to play really well again, and he's back with his swing coach. Uh, this next guy I also really love, Matt Kuchar, 40-1, to 1, finished sixth in here uh, in the 2010 U.S. Open. And then I knew he was having a good year, but when you look at the numbers, he's number one in the FedEx, 15 events, 10 top 25, 7 top 10s, 2 seconds, 2 wins. You better bet on this guy early. He's another guy that has a great chance to win the tournament this week. He's right there at the top of the leaderboard. If he does, he will not be a 40-1 to 1 bet. So if you want to put some money on Matt Kuchar, you need to do that either tonight or tomorrow morning. And then obviously this course sets up extremely well for him. I expect him to contend. Kevin Na at 100-1 to 1 <laughs> is another one I really like. Put twenty dollars down, a hundred to one. Win two grand. Uh, he has uh, two top six finishes at the AT and T. Nice. He is raised in Southern California. Yep. He's made five straight cuts in the U.S. Open, Ooh. and none of those venues set up well for him. They were all longer golf courses. Kevin Knock can get around this golf course, and oh by the way, he's got two wins in the past year on courses very similar to this one, where you got to hit straight. You got to get it up and down, and you got to make, make uh, not make big numbers. Kevin Na is a sneaky pick, and then the well, let's do the bonus one before them. This one is daily fantasy, and it's Victor, and I'm going to butcher his last name, Hovland. Hovland. Yeah. Uh, he was a low amateur at the Masters. He's odds on to do it again here. He won the USAM here last year, and if you watch the tournament like I did, he made so many freaking birdies in his last three matches. Daily Fantasy, go pick him. He's going to be super cheap. He'll make the cut. And exactly. He'll and then the, the last guy that uh, he's also in my guys that contend top ten, so I won't go into depth with him there. He's also a guy I almost picked to win the freaking tournament. Seriously, is Webb Simpson fifty-five to one? Right. He's already won a U.S. Open in two thousand twelve. He is elite on short courses. If you need to be reminded of that, he won the Players. Yep. He was. One of the only Americans that played well in the Ryder Cup this year, which, like I said, that was another similar course, short, a lot of trouble, got to keep it in the short grass. And he uh, shot 65 in 2013 on Pebble in his final round with a bogey, so he can go low on that golf course. He has nine straight top 40s in majors, and he is again rounding into form because he is also in contention to win the Canadian Open tomorrow. That's going to be a great final round, by the way. Uh, you got any long shots you want to go over? Yeah, I got two. Okay. All right, so just just two today, um, just because I don't think the long shot's going to win it. But right. if, if, if We're throwing is, against the wall here, Scott. Exactly. If you like him, give it up. We'll Absolutely. see. Absolutely. My first one's Tony Fino. Okay? Oh, I like that. He's a he's 30 to 1, which, I mean, that's on the verge of being a long shot. He plays well in big events, and he can control his golf ball. Now, can he putt on Poana? I don't know. I truthfully, I, I don't know his stats on Poana. We'll see how is how the flat stick. He does, hits it so well. He Sometimes he didn't even. That's have what I was to. about to say. So, you know, if he can if he can save sub thirty putts all four rounds, right? 
you know, and and while also hitting the normal amount of greens that he does, which is thirteen to fifteen around. What's average. he going to be hitting at the most? Like three iron off of most tee. That's I mean, what I'm as long as he and is, as long as he is, and as short as his backswing is, that's exactly. what's ridiculous. So I love Tony Fee down here, and then my other one is one of my favorite but most forgettable players on tour, Mark Leishman. Oh, right. I, I almost had him in my list. I, I like it. I love Mark Leishman, and I love his. Is game. He like forty to one, right? Uh, he's he's uh. 60. Wow. He's 60 to 1. I just I pulled that up. He's 60 to 1. So, you know, Mark Leishman is a guy that that kind of goes under the radar with how sneaky oh, he, he is. Oh, he absolutely does. And he's just not flashy. He, he you know, with the with his appearance and just he he looks like he he'd be a hell of a member guest partner. He's a ball striker too. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Mighty. That's what I'm saying is he just he looks like a guy that you would be like, "Yeah, he's probably a player." Yeah. But <laughs> He doesn't look like a, a elite PJ Tour player. He's a he's a go getter. He you've heard me say it a thousand times. He's just a dude. Yep. He's a dude that golfs his ball, and if he catches fire, he can take it as low as anyone. And people forget he's had success in firm fast golf courses. He's done well at Augusta, which is obviously about as firm and fast as it gets. He's done well at a British Open when it was really dry at St Andrews, he right? Won. Yep. He well, this is a real firm and wet, but he won in Boston, I think, last year, two years TPC, ago. TPC, yeah. yeah. So you know, it just he. I think that he's gonna break through and win a major, and right. I think it, it might be one that sneaks up on us. And, well, this and is the one that this, typically this could it be is one that that kind of sneaks up and. And he does well. I also think he's going to win a British Open in the next five years. That's um, big time. So, all right. Where are we at? Where are we at? Uh, I got uh, just a few guys, that, and this is just to kind of I, – I wouldn't be surprised to be in contention that might surprise you because they're two big names. We already mentioned Phil, so I won't go into you know detail just with his record there. The other one is Adam Scott, and I know people are going to go, why would Adam Scott be, you know, hits it as straight as anybody, he's actually putting a little better. The reason is, and this is what I warn people for daily fantasy and stuff, just to be careful. I think he's got a great chance to be in this tournament, and his four appearances at the AT&T, he has gone tied 56, miscut, miscut, miscut. So hopefully that does not, you know, that isn't always the end-all, be-all, but... That's not a good sign. That is not well, a track record that this, you want. I mean, you obviously want to show up and play at every event, but at this stage in his career, right? Adam Scott, his his focus is on major championships. Right. So he's in form. You know, it, it it all comes down to on the greens. Right. With Adam Scott, I mean, no one has a prettier swing on tour. No one hits it straighter on tour. And he hits it long. Other than Tiger, there's not a better long iron player on tour, and he might even be better than Tiger. But they're they're the two best long I mean, iron I mean, players I, on tour. I think tour. It, de- it depends on which Tiger we're talking about. But yeah, he's still pretty good as long. It iron. just is is Adam Scott is is one of those guys where if you just type in on a, on a computer prototype golfer, right? Like, Stud might create a create a golfer on the golf club or uh, you know one of the PGA games. Right. He's your prototype. He he has a picture perfect golf swing, and if he can gain, just well, you a know what his golf swing side by side is like. Literally, is Tiger swing in two thousand, which is like if you could have any Tiger version with, swing with less torque. Exactly. With less which torque, is which is which better is for the back and all right. that kind of stuff. Yeah, he, he hasn't really gotten hurt. You know, it it all comes down to can he putt. 
can and leave that flag stick in, Adam. So who you got, guys, that you expect to contend in the like say top ten, and then we'll go over our winners. All right, um, DJ. I, th- I think he's obviously he's got to be up there. Um, I think Spieth grinds it out. I think Spieth. I think Spieth grinds out a top ten, and then Xander. I like the Xander and DJ. I'm not so sure about Spieth. Guys, I expect to contend in the top ten. Tiger, who I I hope he gets oh, it I done. I said that earlier. I forgot Tiger. Uh, but I don't know if he can putt well enough or avoid the bogeys to do so. Like all three of these guys I'm mentioning, I seriously almost picked to win. Uh, Brent Snedeker, we talked over this. Uh, he loves his golf course, playing well. He puts so well in putting because you got to pop that putter, and boy, nobody takes that little short stroke and pops it better than Brent. Uh-huh. And then Webb Simpson, that like I just can't tell you how close I was to picking this guy, but I thought people would be think I was crazy, especially when I picked the winner in the previous two, and then that's who you go with you for, for trying to you, keep bro. the stretch on you. So, you want to go your winner, or you want me to go? Okay. All right. Might not come as a shock, being how I talked him up, but my winner this week is Xander Shoffley. I like that pick a lot. I, I just think it's his. I think I think he's been so close. He's gained so much confidence in major championships. He's in his home state. The crowd's gonna be behind him. Played at San Diego State. He just is. He is. He's gotta be the most comfortable at a major championship that he's ever been, and he's been obviously very comfortable with the rest of them. When his game is on, he is just as good as anybody in the world, and I expect him to come out from the get-go. Now, I'm not calling wire to wire, right? No. of course, but I expect him to be in a, under par all four days. Wow. Or at par. He might, I, you know. That's I, saying I, something, though, bro. That's a tough golf course. No doubt. No doubt. I just think, that, and it, when I say that, it wouldn't surprise me if he shoots one or two. Over. Right. You know, of course. Maybe on, you know, I don't, I don't see him shooting one or two over on the first day. Maybe Friday going into the weekend, but I think he puts himself in a good enough position and he's comfortable enough at this, at this venue and at this major championship with six top twenties and his nine starts in major championships and four top fives. You've got, you've got to say that he's going to win one eventually. And I think that he breaks through this week. I like that pick. Uh, One thing too, just to be fair, so everybody knows is the weather is going to play a huge factor. The, the, it's going to be windy there. It's just like all courses that are along the coastline. But there's a big difference. We talked about the year Tom Kite won. It was 40-mile-an-hour winds. They get two days of, say, 20 to 30-mile-an-hour winds. Those greens are going to be rolling at 13, and there's rough up to your knees, you know, in sections of the golf course. It's going to be difficult. But so, there, as Scott said, there was a little pressure. I took a lot of time thinking about this. Uh, and I'm going with somebody I didn't talk about because I'm going to talk about him right now. Tommy Fleetwood, always up to no good at 30 to 1. He's, he's played well in the majors this year, but he has not played well on Sundays. And that is the thing that does concern me a little bit. But he got some reps in at Pebble in February. Uh, he finished second and fourth in his last two U.S. Opens. He has made nine straight cuts in the majors. I'm going to say that Golf Jesus gets his first major. He shot 68-71 in his first official rounds at Pebble this past February. I think that's big. He's top five two venues this year that are very similar type golf courses to this at Sawgrass and Bay Hill. He's eighth on tour tee to green, fourth in strokes gained off the tee. These are big ones. Seventh in scrambling. 11th in scrambling from the rough 
third in sand save. There's a lot of bunkers on that golf course. Eighth in strokes gained and 16th in scoring average. He's made 21 consecutive cuts, and his swing and game is made for a venue that puts a premium on being in the shortstop, and you possibly have to play in brutal wind conditions, which he's got a lot of experience in where he grew up playing golf. I'm putting my back-to-back correct major winning streak on my boy Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, I like it. You got anything else you want to plug, say? Just to, just to confirm about uh, or throw in a little bit about Fleetwood, especially in the wind, from a golf pro side of things and somebody that teaches 15 to 20 hours a week, right? if you want to learn how to play in wind, you've got to learn how to compress the golf ball, and no one on tour compresses it better than Tommy Fleetwood, especially when he saws off that finish. Right. Finishes right there. The oh, yeah. Quarter, the little three-quarter finish that he does. Yep. And he compresses the hell out of a golf ball, which is crucial, okay, in windy conditions. Guys, right. if you're listening to this, you have to play in a lot of windy conditions. Practice your compression of the golf ball. Get those hands a little bit more forward at impact because that's how he does it. Like you said, he grew up in it. He played in it. I love that pick. Uh, and you keep, you know, you keep making it hard on me because you keep throwing these dingers out. I mean, winner, winner, and now you picked one of my favorite golfers. So good luck to you, pro. Uh, may the best winner win. And we need to be sure to plug IBN's Facebook group, their website. We're very appreciative of the home that they've given us. We enjoy doing this. So please check that out. Actually, on the IBN Facebook group, talked about the NBA Finals with. Uh, the uh, I guess they call him the Podfather on uh, the IBN Network RC. Uh, I'm shocked uh, by what is happening. We talked about that and how the Raptors look like the better team. Uh, so please check that out. I mean, and I, one one thing. Sure. About IBN, yeah, absolutely. I've run a Facebook group of almost thirty thousand for the last two years. Club Junkie discussions and marketplace and games, but. There is not a better run group on Facebook for for sports discussion than IBN. The way they run it, how clean it is, how much useful input it is. And there's plenty of discussions, arguments, etc. It it debates, but if if you're a sports junkie like we are, love, live sports, check out IBN. Uh, follow their no podcast. trolls, which is fantastic, no, right? I mean, it's just it's it's a phenomenally run group. Uh, RC and the boys, Ian and all those guys, they do a fantastic job. Thank you so much for ha- allowing us to a spot for two off the tee on your network. And uh, man, I'm looking forward to a great week. One other thing I forgot to mention, and this is my favorite part about the U.S. Open when this happens: West Coast nighttime golf, dude. Dude, I know, right? It's fantastic. It's, it's it really awesome. is. Like seriously, Thursday at eight o'clock, you're gonna get home, you're gonna be eating dinner, and, and there's gonna like be lineup. like nine, ten holes left for right. the guys that went off last to watch on TV, which is really, really cool. just as good as it gets. We will definitely be back. Next week, no doubt. right after the U.S. Open, no doubt. to hopefully talk about at least one of us. I, t- I told Scott, even if I can't get the correct pick, I hope he does because we want to continue to give you all picks. So that way, maybe y'all will listen to us and take some of these bets. Y'all could be cashing in right now. Especially, but, and if you don't know, you can bet on top pins, uh, and that's a great way to bet. As exactly. Well. And head-to-head. If, yep. you, if you like a player and don't you know like a certain player, you can usually bet to them head-to-head yep. on certain sites. But... This has been the U.S. Open preview edition of Two Off the Tee. We will be back soon. Thank you, Scott, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Peace out.